Welcome everybody to another episode of Marketing Management and Money. I'm your uh, secondary host, Ethan Meliari. And I'm, I'm your tertiary <laughs> host, Ryan Murray. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, it's good uh, good to be back with you. And, uh, you know, we sometimes chase other squirrels. and <laughs> <laughs> So I forget how much fun it is to do uh, episodes with you, Ryan. But, <laughs> oh, this will um, be a fun one. So... Uh, you know, we talk a lot about uh, leadership and particularly different stages of leadership when you go mm-hmm. from, uh, per se, starting in your garage to now the organization is, you know, got 30 employees and that and how that leadership style changes. And, you know, and just funny enough, we were just talking about uh, an experience I was just having because I, I like to have an open door policy as part of my leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, but sometimes that also means I get interrupted. And you made a beautiful comment back to me um, as I, I don't know that I expressed frustration, but, but sometimes, uh, you know, when I'm in the mood and I'm just working and then someone walks in, even though I have the open door policy, it throws me off kilter. Right, right. But your comment back to me was fascinating. Go ahead. You mind so, sharing that? So, so, so the essence of what I was getting at, and, and it was kind of funny because I said, hey, you want some unsolicited advice? Because I'm really good at that. <laughs> Just kind of let me tell you what I think. That that is one downside of uh, you know being like a a presenter, a podcast <laughs> podcast host is you always feel like you have something to say, and sometimes you need to just shut up and listen. But anyway, so so I said I'm like you want a little little unsolicited advice. You're like sure, go ahead. And I and I just said you know with uh, when we when we talk about leadership and management, uh, you know a lot of times we're into efficiency and I'm like, efficiency is more of a manufacturing type concept. It's a financial type concept where when you're dealing with inanimate objects, we definitely want to have efficiency. But when we start getting into people, uh, you know, I love the, uh, the Stephen Covey concept is uh, slow is fast and fast is slow when dealing with people and dealing with relationships. But uh, you know, the, the, the comment that I made to you that uh, you kind of, you know, you kind of paused on a little bit, was that we get really efficient at doing things that we don't care about. We become very productive at things that don't matter in our lives. And and, and I asked you the question, I said, yeah. well, ultimately, do you want your door open or do you want your door closed? And you said, well, I want my door open. And I said, well, then you need to leave the door open, even though it's pulling away from some of that quote unquote productivity because what are you being productive at? Are you being productive at, you know, diving into your computer, reading articles, answering emails, you know? Right. Yeah. Or are you actually being productive at being a manager and a leader? And and some of the backstory that you left off is what really brought this up is that you're actually working with an individual right now who probably needs a little bit more hand-holding than is, you know, typical. Yeah. But, but it's the situation, not necessarily the individual per se. Yeah. Uh, just because of the the uh, newness of the employee, the newness of the the whole situation. You know, there's just some uh, uh, noviceness mm-hmm. to to the whole situation from their side, and so it does. It takes a little bit more handholding. Um. And but I, you know, as you've said that comment, I've thought a lot about it since this morning on it, and that. Uh, uh, you know what I? I do feel that that situation, the relationship, is better than uh, the leadership piece of that is more important than the 
like you call it, the manufacturing the back end of the efficiencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so as we get into this episode, I don't want to get hung up on this is not an efficiency episode, you know, although that actually could be really interesting. Leadership to, efficiency? Yeah, to talk about where you need to be efficient and where you can sacrifice some efficiencies. That, yeah. That, that, that could be interesting. So maybe maybe in a future thing we'll, we'll look at that. But, uh, you know, the, the crux of this episode, and this is something that's been weighing on my mind, is the different stages of leadership. And one of the things that we fail to understand is that as our company grows we need to be evolving or else we're not growing with the company. The company, you know, is, 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 is in essence leaving us behind. And it's so difficult when you're the owner, uh, you know, when you're the CEO, when you're the one who's making all of the decisions, it's so difficult to have that outside perspective of, okay, are you keeping up with the changes of the company? And so the first thing that I want to hit on is I want to hit on this idea of if your company has changed dramatically and you are still doing what you were doing, then the company is leaving you behind. The company is moving faster than you're moving. And so, you know, if you look at it and say, cool, our sales have doubled in the last two years, you know, like we're, we're on a, a growth trajectory and our sales have doubled. I'm like, okay, that has completely changed the dynamics of your company. So have you completely changed the dynamics of your leadership? Or are you still leading that same garage business, you know, in your mom's basement business that, you know, it served you well at an introductory phase, but it's not going to serve you well as you get into this growth maturity phase. And, and we're not just talking about taking a startup, you know, from a startup to a growth business. You can have an established company that's been around for, you know, a couple decades and you're still, you know, this, this company is moving and evolving. How are you moving and evolving with it? Yeah. And that's, and that's what I've found is that when you start and it was just you, the only person you had to manage was yourself. Yeah. And so your leadership style was managing myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was me, you know, I was responsible for getting in there to create the widgets. I was responsible for doing the the billings. I was responsible for my own morale and, and you know, driving myself to be productive, to grow that growth. And so that's what you find is that when you start, especially if it was just you, mm-hmm. the only person you had to manage was yourself. Yeah. And I, that's completely different than managing others. And, and, and I want to dissect that a little bit because I think this is an excellent uh, place to start is to say, okay, look at managing yourself versus managing others. Well, the first thing that I want to hit on is communication. If you are managing yourself or a small team, you know, two or three people are working closely together, you know, picture it this way. Are most of your management meetings held over lunch or, you know, out on the golf course or on, you know, you're traveling yeah. to go make a sales call and you're chatting on the drive there. Yeah. If, if that's where your management meetings are, are, are being held because you have a small enough team, then communication is still happening because it's easy to communicate with two or three people. But now you're growing and this company now has 50 employees and you're still having that chit chat in the car while you're driving to, you know, whatever networking event you're going to, well, you're failing to communicate with, you know, 48 of those people because it's just you and the one guy that's driving with you. Yeah. And now communication has started to break down. So something that was effective at one point 
is no longer effective and you've got to completely change your communication style. And I'm just using this as an example because there are, you know, many right. examples that we can right. hit on with this. Yeah. And, and that's exactly right because it's, it's easy to communicate with yourself because you're going through the own thought process of how you're going to be productive, the things you're going to accomplish that day. Mm. But then all of a sudden you, and I like that you bring it in because for me, that's kind of where you go next is that now we go from me as an individual to, to now me kind of being part of a team mm-hmm. and, and whether that's, whether that's inside of your own business or inside of your own department, sometimes we have, you know, we go through that transition now that we're part of a team and, and interacting with that, and that team changes the whole dynamics. Mm-hmm. You know, the communication has to increase, um, that, uh, respecting others, uniquenesses and talents and abilities. Okay. Mm-hmm. We start to have to pay attention to things like that. Um, at differences. The same, differences. At the same time, we're still trying to establish ourselves as a leader mm-hmm. because if that's the pathway we want to go down and, and, and show that I'm the owner or I'm, I'm a responsible department manager, we're still trying to develop some of those leadership skills. And, and hopefully uh, between that managing yourself and now as you get kind of and maybe into that next stage of teams, you have to make sure that you've established really good values. Mm-hmm. Because if if you start getting into this one and you haven't established what your core values are, that's where you have a lot of frustrations with a team because you lose that continuity and there's not a particular thing that's driving you to say, this is what is the most important things for us as we move forward. Mm-hmm. And so you you got to make sure that early on that you establish those core values uh, that are important for you as an individual that are going to establish your leadership style because we're not advocating for any particular leadership style because a lot of that's going to be uh, tied to uh, your temperament and a few other things as well, your upgrading, your ethics, religion, hobbies. I mean, leadership sure. is, I mean, it's not just, hey, this leadership style is the right way. Yeah, I read a book and now this is who, uh, who yeah. I am. Yeah, and you know. matter of fact, and if you read any books on leadership, and they'll they'll go over multiple leadership styles. Um, if they don't, you probably just put the book away because it's <laughs> it's not really pointing out what it, the true leadership is. Because there's not a cookie cutter for this is what the perfect leader is. It, it, it there isn't. It's yeah. you know I and maybe if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about you know that theory of that ecological leadership, meaning that um, our well. You know, when you look at ecology, we're looking bigger picture. We look, we see a forest. Wait a minute. Now we see a tree. Oh, wait a minute. Now we see the leaves on the trees. Oh, wait a minute. Now we see the bug on the tree. And each one of them in some ways are so independent of each other, but they're so important to allow that uh, ecology to function and to grow and survive. Well, the same thing applies to your business. Mm -hmm. And so, so that expression of being, you know, an ecological leader, uh, not necessarily tied to environmental issues, but tied to, are you really seeing the big picture of your business? Yeah. And, and you'll see that that's going to help define that leadership as we go through and talk about these different stages. You know, and, and, and you mentioned if we have time, but we're already on this. And I think it's such an important, uh, you know, kind of metaphor to you, you look at the, you know, the, the, the ecology and I'm picturing like a, a garden. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the, the example of the garden is I'm coming in and I'm introducing things into the garden. You know, I'm purposely 
wanting specific pH balances in my soil. I'm wanting certain plants. Uh, it's based on, you know, the, the drainage. It's based on how much sunlight is coming in. It's based on the climate that I'm growing in. And, and so I'm going to introduce certain things and I'm going to try and pull out certain other weeds. Right. You know, I, I, my dad always said that the definition of a weed is anything you don't want growing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so... You know, you might have this this plant that others would consider, you know, valuable or prized, but in your garden, that becomes a weed. It's something you don't want growing. And so, you know, I, I look at this ecology of leadership, and I think one of the one of the mistakes that that happens often is that leaders will assume that someone is talented, and they just end right there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They need to be talented and they need to fit into your ecology. And, yeah. and, and so if, if you're failing to, you know, get a, uh, you know, get, get a proper balance, uh, you know, just because this particular person, you know, they, they might be an amazing salesperson, but you're going to butt heads with them. And, you know, maybe you don't want an aggressive salesperson. Maybe you want someone who's actually going to move a little bit slower because your competitive advantage is not sales. Your competitive advantage might be the quality of the product. And, you know, and you don't drive the sales as hard. You try and drive the quality and, and, and let the sales be a little bit more organic, you know. And so there, there's a lot of ecology and it will change, you know. Yeah. And, and I like that uh example you use with sales and operations, because that's super important. That That's the principle behind it is I understand what we can manufacture and produce in widgets. And hence I'm uh, driving the right type of leadership for those that are in sales mm -hmm. to not exceed what operations can produce. Okay. I, I'm looking at the bigger picture of how do all these departments and individuals interact inside of my or, uh, business, my organization, mm -hmm. so that we can get the best efficiency, realizing that sometimes they each have their own autonomy, but how do they interconnect so that we, we manage that through our leadership style to create that cultured growth that we want? Mm -hmm. you know, and, that's, and that's one of the higher levels of leadership is when we can really establish culture. Because in the lower levels, we, you know, when you're managing yourself, you don't really establish a culture. It's you. Yeah. Yeah. When you start to get into a team. Now we, we do a little bit more trying to establish a culture. But now when you start taking in, uh, hey, I'm an owner and I have 30 employees, it's important that you have to establish a culture for your organization, like you mentioned, so that, so that we hire the right people who fit into this ecology of our business so that it allows it to grow and flourish the way that we, we need it to. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, I want to pivot a little bit uh, because one of the things that I think is super important to understand uh, about leadership is it's not all internal. You know, we've been talking about self-leadership, you know, how do yeah, you manage? Yeah. We've been talking about the ecology of the business, which is, okay, do I have a good balance between my different departments, the different functions? But that's all internal. Well, you, you get external. And, and I want to hit on two points. 
the one I'm going to go into depth on, and then the other one maybe we can we can uh, you know catch at the at, at the end of the episode here. But the the first point is I want to talk about the customer, uh, you know, leadership in in terms of the customer and and how yeah. that customer uh, process will will grow and develop. It's very different at different levels of business. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But then just so I don't forget, the other one is external market factors. You know, the right. the big picture of the market and and how you as as a leader, you know, need to grow and change with your external market conditions. But but jumping back to the customer here, so I'm going to put this into, I'm going to try and take, this is actually a pretty complicated concept, and I'm going to put it into very simplistic terms for, you know, sake of time and discussion, and maybe we can, you know, hit on a couple of these points and, and dig a little deeper. But when you are a startup business, your customer mix is going to be very different than when you are, you know, a, a growing small business, yes. which is going to be very yes. different than when you are an established business. So, for example, if I'm a startup business, I can put the majority of my revenue in one or two customers, and that is not considered unnecessary risk. So, in fact, it's healthy as a startup business to have, you know, just a few key customers that are really driving your business. And so if you look at it as a yes. percentage of revenue, you know, if I had one customer that was like 60% of my revenue and I'm a startup, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to be like, okay, you know, so I've got a good target customer and then I'm going to try and expand that. I'm looking for other customers like that to, you know, start to build that customer portfolio. But it's not a risk. But as I become an established small business, I better not have any customers that are more than 20% of my revenue or else that becomes a huge risk and a huge threat to my, you know, to my company. Right. And then the, 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 you know, transition from kind of an established small business to, or I guess from a growing small business to what I would classify as an established small business is when I'm a growing small business, I'm more seeking out the customer and I'm trying to really market to them. I'm more agile, so I'm more flexible to the customer's needs. But then once I become an established business, I start to become a little bit rigid and I actually need to, as a leader, turn down a lot of customer opportunities that are going to pull me away from my core vision or my core values. Right. And, and so, you know, you, you start by, I'm going to take anybody. If, if you're going to buy from me, I'll take it. And I don't care what percentage of revenue you have. And then you move into this, okay, I need a, a balanced portfolio where I don't want anyone to have more than 20%. And then you move into this stage of, I'm going to say no to a lot of people. You know, they, they've got money on the table ready to buy, but I'm going to say no to them because they're pulling me in the wrong direction. And you as a leader are the one who is making those decisions because your salespeople, they'll go out and sell. I mean, if you got them on commission or something like that, a dollar's a dollar, they don't care. And so, you know, it gets kind of difficult when you've got a sales team that you're telling them, okay, say no to these people. I don't want to sell to these people, but that's quality leadership and it's hard to change through those stages. And, and it's, you know, it's tough because in the early stages as a leader, um, and none of these leadership styles are, as you go through this progression or necessarily wrong. We want to make sure you stay that. It's just yeah. what it is, what it is at the time because of the nature of the business. But in those early stages, uh, generally our leadership tends to use, be a user of resources. Mm -hmm. And as we mature as a leader, we be tend to 
be a creator of resources. We're, you, we're, you better we're doing clarify the what you mean when the greater good. Yeah, when when you're saying use and create resources, you get a little specific. Here. So when I'm using resources as a leadership, I'm I'm using the talents and abilities of those around me in order to help grow a company. And we continue to do that. But as you get into the higher levels, when you're more established, I'm not just using people to grow my business. I'm also building leaders underneath me they are growing pieces and parts of my business. Mm-hmm. Okay, So I'm not just using resources anymore. Now I'm creating those resources so that I can create more profitability, more structure, more efficiency by replicating, I guess you could say myself, like we do with employees. You're kind of replicating what you're trying to do because that's how we grow things. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what I really like about what you talk about um, as you get into that, 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 it's super important that you got to get to the point or as your company gets bigger, you've got to start generating resources, not using resources as a leader. And using resources also means that I'm probably still toxic as a leader, okay? Because there are toxic leaders, okay? That it's about me instead of about us or about you, okay? I'm, you know, it's that, that leader that says, um, I get as much satisfaction out of your growth because I look good when you're growing and improving and doing great things versus, wow, you're doing great things, but because I'm your boss, I'm taking credit for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, see, that's the difference between using and building resources. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm going to put some of this stuff in, into some, some boxes, you know, like some packaging for me to kind of wrap my head around it a little better. Uh, and I'm glad that you clarified on resources. You're not necessarily talking about monetary resources. Oh, no. And, and that's where a lot of people go. That's why I said, will you please clarify resources is really let's point out the fact that we're not talking about, you know, a user and a generator of monetary resources. We're talking about, you know, human capital, the talent, the skill set, the culture right. of the company, you know, and, and how that will, will change. And so I thought that that was a great example. Uh, another clarification that I want to make is, we get into this belief that there are toxic leaders and there are good leaders. And I'm like, that's actually a false belief. There are leaders who are toxic and good. In fact, every leader is toxic and good. It's, are they dominantly toxic? Are they dominantly good? And what direction are they going? You know, because you're, you're constantly moving and evolving. And so you take the best leader ever and they're going to make bad decisions. They're going to make selfish decisions, greedy decisions, you know, and they're, they're going to take credit for something that they didn't do. And, and that's going to happen with the most humble leader, with the most, you know, well-learned yeah. uh, and, and, and thought-provoking leaders. Like, they'll still do that. It's the balance. And so you as a leader, don't ask yourself, am I a good if, – if you think you're a good leader – you're already on track to be a bad leader, you know. <laughs> if you're a leader who is doing good things, you know, if you can be aware of the good things that you are accomplishing and if you can be aware of the weaknesses that you have, that's, you know, that's when you're on track to being being a good leader. And and so I I I really want to point this out because nobody goes into their company and says all right, guys, I'm a toxic leader. I'm sorry that you have to put up with me, but honestly, I'm greedy and I like money, and so I'm the boss. I get final say. Like, that's not people's attitude. People's attitude is, well, 
I have to make the tough calls, and if you don't like it, you can find another yeah. job. And, and so they justify it in their minds. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you're just like, yeah, I've seen a toxic leader before, I'm going to ask a better question and say, when have you been a toxic leader as opposed to, you know, it's not an us and them kind of classification. It's, okay, when have you been toxic? What did you do to fix that? What are your bad habits? Uh, what are you doing to correct those bad habits? Or who are you letting lead when you suck at it? Yeah. You know, if you're bad at understanding your financials because you've never taken any financial training and you're just shooting from the hips, then when it comes to financial decisions, even though you're the boss, step aside and let someone who understands the financials make the financial decisions. If right. you're really bad at, you know, communication, hire an admin or an assistant that can, you know, communicate for you, that have them send out the email so people don't think you're yelling at them all the time. Like there are things that right. all of us do poorly. Well, and I'm, and I'm going to use, because I think it's important to help people understand that uh, why we don't talk about a single leadership style, because the culture a lot of times is probably the catalyst for it. For example, um, you take the the U.S. military, there's a culture there mm -hmm. and the leadership style that goes with that culture, and it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's there for a reason because that is what is needed inside that culture to make that uh, organization efficient and effective. Correct, yeah. And then you go to somewhere like Adobe or Facebook, and there's a whole different culture <laughs> and leadership yeah, style. Yeah, like napping pods. Uh. Yeah, and it's different, and you're like, yeah, that's never going to happen in the military. It just isn't. I'm sorry. That's not what it was designed for. So you have to keep in mind when we, as you talk about toxic leaders and other things like that, it, that the culture is going to help drive some of that. And you, that means you need to really understand when you were in those early stages. And if you haven't, then you need to step back and do that self-analyzation to, to understand um, what are my core values because that's what's going to drive this culture of my company as we get older so that it is the culture aligned with the right leadership because I can't say I want to start a Facebook and then have a, uh, it sounds bad when you say militaristic leadership style. <laughs> <laughs> so you figure out how to put that correctly, but... But you I put it you, correctly. I mean. But they're, they're just different. And so I can't come in and say it's my way or the highway because, you know, an indecision will, will hurt us when we get into those tight situations where in Facebook, no, it, it's completely different that we want people to be creative and we want them to be working when their brain's the most alert, which means if it's at midnight, they come in at midnight. Right. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't have to have them here from eight to five. Mm -hmm. You know, we're paying them to get things done, not to work hours. So. Yeah. So I, I like that when you talk about that, that, that look back at the culture of the organization or the culture of the organization you're trying to establish because then, then you can align yourself better as a leadership to say, because what someone's going to determine toxic, another one's going to determine as fantastic. Well, and I think, so I love the graph of the product life cycle, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and explain this a little bit for people who aren't super familiar. I, I think the easiest thing would be just to search it online and see a, you know, see a picture of it if you haven't seen it. But it's basically you've got a bell curve, and then you've got different stages. And so you've got the early stage, which, so I'm on the left of the bell curve, which is I'm climbing up the hill right now. 
right. you know, you've got the uh, early adopters and then you've got kind of this shakeout period, which is where, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure this out, but only the, the leaders, uh, the business leaders, the, you know, the, the companies that are really on top of this are going to survive that shakeout. And then they get up to that, you know, that, that, that top uh, part, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're at the apex, which is going to be the mature. And then you come on the other side, which is the decline. So, um, you know, if you picture a product life cycle, it's like, okay, we're going to start with the early adopters. We got to do the shakeout. We've got to do this mature. And then we got to do this decline phase and companies go through this same, you know, the same process. And I look at leadership style and I say, okay, if you just think of the simple concept of gravity, you know, as I'm climbing up the hill, gravity is pulling me down. As I'm on the, you know, mature decline side, I, I can, you know, I can sit down and still make forward progress because gravity is just going to pull me down like a little slippery slide, right? right? And so what I'm trying to get at here is this idea that as a leader, if I'm trying to grow, if I'm on the growth side, I'm climbing up the hill and cash is always tight when you're on the growth side. You need more cash, you know, and work is always harder. Well, if you've created a culture, you know, you're talking about this Facebook culture versus the U.S. military. If you've created a culture that's very laid back and very chill and you mistakenly think that you're going to grow your company, you're not. Like growth is a very aggressive, it's a very demanding cycle in the business and so, you know, if you're the type of business that you want to, you know, work four days a week and have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off and, you know, the big lunch parties and everyone's hip and cool coming into the office, there's nothing wrong with that culture, but that's not a growth culture. And so, you know, when I see the, these leaders that they skip in their mind, they, they're like, they're, they're, they're trying to grow their company, but they want to have a mature or decline product life cycle concept of culture. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. And so you've got to understand as a leader, you've got to understand, am I actually lining up my actions with, you know, where the company is, where the company is going and what we want. And a lot of times people think that decline is always bad. And I'm like, no, decline is cash rich. Like if I have a product that is in the decline side of the product life cycle, that's where I make the most cash. It might not be the most sales, but it's a, it's a cash cow. And, you know, and so it's not that one side of the, you know, cycle is better than the other side of the cycle. It's that, you know, I've got to understand what my goals and objectives are and be on the right side of that with my culture and with my company. I don't know if that was, man, have that was kind of hard to put together a visualization. So hopefully, hopefully that worked okay. Well, and, that's the, the crazy, awesome thing about leadership is there's not a right way to do it. There are some wrong ways, okay? yeah. but, but good leadership comes in many different packages. And it's nice to know that you can, as your company grows and evolve, you can develop that leadership style along with it and continue to develop your leadership, you know, throughout, you know, it doesn't actually end, you know, mm -hmm. some of the greatest leaders that we know are, into their eighties, you know right, what I mean? Right. It's, it's, uh, because it becomes, there's a lot of, to deal with people. 
So it takes time to learn to develop those relationships with people and establish good ways and, and approaching anyone and everyone that we do with open-minded so we see their core values and their skill sets so that we're building them and putting them in positions to grow. Um, so it, it's really, it's, you know, it's a fun process to be in. Um, you know, for business owners that are still in that growth stage, um, it's something you need to cognitively be looking at and working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just isn't going to happen naturally for most people. Natural leadership is not there. Um, you know, you look at uh, uh, great, great leaders from the past. I'm amazed when I read the histories about them that how many hours they spent doing certain things to develop oratory skills or people <sighs> skills. Thank or, you. Yeah. You know, it. they didn't just inherently have it. These These are developed, trained skills. If you want to be an expert at it, you might have an aptitude, you might have a knack, but that will never get you out of garage into, you know, multi-million dollar multinational type companies. You don't make that 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 jump by just, you know, being yeah. charismatic just because and your sales talented. Went up. That's right. Just because your sales went up doesn't mean you were a great leader. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so oh. even though it. It oftentimes has some tie to it. Well, the interesting thing about leadership, and I'm I'm, I'm going to kind of bring this into that final point of looking at external factors, uh, you know, before we wrap up here. But the interesting thing about leadership is that you can see, you know, you mentioned that there's not one good way, uh, you know, there's not one right way to be a leader. There are several wrong ways, and even when you know, so different leaders will have different varying levels of success and different types of success. Some will see it on the sales side. Some will see it on the operations side. Some will see it on the human or employee side. Some will right. see it on the community side. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I look at and, and I get that this is kind of not what people would typically consider a leader, but it actually is a very influential leader is Van Gogh. All right. So right. Van Gogh <laughs> never, he never had employees he never uh, owned a, a massive, you know, company, and he actually, I believe, he sold one piece of art while he was alive, and it was to his brother-in-law. I'd have to double check exactly who he sold it to, but he only sold one piece of art. But when he died, he now has, you know, countless masterpieces, and there are museums dedicated to him, exhibits dedicated to him, and I'm like, yeah, that's clearly leadership because. You know, that he influenced art in such a way that has, you know, changed humanity forever, right? Well, and, that, and that's a great point that you bring up, that the highest level of leadership are classified as influencers. Yeah. You're able to influence people into a, a, a movement that is the greater good, mm-hmm. which is what I, I like that you used that word. Yeah. And so I'm looking at it and I'm saying, okay, if you're striving for quality leadership, you know, I mean, one of my heroes is George Washington. If you look at his track record during the Revolutionary (laughs) War, it was horrible. Like, you know, yeah. the, the the first battle that he won was against the Hessian soldiers there in uh, Jersey on uh, Christmas Day. They had already been in war for, what, three or four years at yeah. that point. Yeah. Three or four years, and you've got your commander-in-chief has not won a single battle, yeah. and he was best known for his skillful retreats. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but... But if you look at the end result, how, you know, he was clearly the father of the nation and, you know, I do believe that he achieved greatness. And I'm like, okay, 
he he was a a skillful leader because he understood the realities of the external forces. He was mm-hmm. outgunned, outmanned, outgeneraled. Like, you know, the British had every advantage. He had no advantage. And so what he understood is by keeping the army intact and not... Because, you know, the British would come in and they would take Philadelphia. And then people would be like, huh, war's still going on, even though you took the capital, right? And mm-hmm. then uh, they'd come in and they'd take New York because they're like, well, that's that's the finance heart, you know? Mm-hmm. And they'd, they, they'd come in and they'd, they'd take all, you know, they'd take Boston and they'd try and take all these influential cities. But at the end of the day, what they were fighting was, you know, Washington's army, which they could never capture his army. And so that's right. Yeah, a very interesting look at leadership. Everyone thinks that, oh, I'm only a good leader if I'm driving sales. I'm like, no, you can be an amazing leader by making sure that your company doesn't go bankrupt during COVID. Yeah. You know, like, that's right. That's something to be proud of. And, you know, and, and keep doing what you're doing to, you can be an amazing leader just because you provide employment for a dozen people that otherwise would be unemployed. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Great, great, great point. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. We hope that uh, something we've uh, shared today will be of value that uh, you can implement into your leadership, something to move into your organization to help increase uh, the efficiencies of what you do through leadership. Um, and, you know, like I say, there's great, great, many great articles out there on leadership. Uh, my opinion is always study the great leaders. If you want to, you know, do that, study the great leaders of history. I find more value in that than sometimes just the book on leadership. Um, because like Ryan pointed out, you miss some of those external things to understand that being a great leader depends on how you manage external forces. Mm-hmm. And, and to, instead of, Hey, am I being kind to everybody? Well, you know, there's, there's many facets to leadership that, that they're just, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a lifelong project to become great leaders. And so, uh, yeah, you, there's no end to it. There is no end to it. And I just want to reemphasize, you know, you talked about study the great leaders in history. I think we make a huge mistake if we only study, you know, up and coming leaders because they're not proven yet. And there's nothing wrong with right. studying up and coming leaders because you want to look for new trends and new ways of thinking about problems. But you also want to go back to leaders that have stood the test of time that you know how the story ends. You know that they were a great leader as opposed to someone that you're like, he looks like he's doing a good job. She might be a good leader. Let's follow what they're doing now. I'm like, mm, yeah. tried and true. Uh, stick with it. Yeah. So. Well, thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. Um, again, you can uh, find more at uh, marketingmanagementandmoney.com. <laughs> Why do you always give me a harassment? Hey, I'm still saying even this far into it should be money. Money should be on the front. Money, 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 money. So until you change and put money on the front, you can't give me any grief if I have to make sure I get the order right because money should be at the front, not the end. Take care, everybody. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.